Well, hello and welcome to Inexos Access All Areas. My name is B, and I will be co-hosting this series of podcasts with my Inexos nerd, Hayden Murdoch. We will be delving deep with you all to explore everything there is to know about this iconic band of brothers in excess, sharing music, tours, videos, albums, and oh, so much more. Well, hello, welcome to Excess Access All Areas, episode 174, uh, a special episode today as we do this annually. We uh, acknowledge and we eulogise and celebrate the birthday of what it would have been of Michael Hutchins. B, we had Sir Paul McCartney dedicate a song to Michael there when I'm 64. Thank you, Paul. Yes, 64. <laughs> what would Michael have looked at now at 64? Very dashing, I reckon. But yeah, Michael would have been 64 today, B. It's January 22, 2024. Yeah, it would have been 64 today. And uh, we like to do a little bit of a deep dive and an, and an acknowledgement to his career and life. Um which is quite timely, B, because on the back end of his uh, double episode we did regarding his solo album. Yeah, exactly. It's very, very timely, very timely. Very, very touched by the responses we've had, uh, particularly in the last sort of seven days as episode two's rolled. And I think everybody's got back into work in the new year now, B, and a lot of people have gone back to episode one that uh, went out over Boxing Day, Christmas period. But yeah, it was a lot of fun going through those songs. Have you had them in your head like I have? In the last week or two? I play them quite a lot anyway, I must admit. I, I really enjoy that album. Um, I know it's a bittersweet and we've had lots of comeback on the socials uh, again. Um, I'd like to read a few out um, later on. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Commenting, some people have asked, where, where can we get the album and can you still buy the physical copy? And, you know, it's really interesting. I, I, it's probably a little bit of my kryptonite. I don't really go into the catalogue stuff and work out, is it still published and this, this, and this. We could probably go to our friend MM, who's uh, a constant uh, aficionado for that type of information. So I might reach out to him and, and just see what countries, whether it's been uh, uh, still in circulation, whether it's still actually uh, in you know stores that uh, hold CDs these days. What we do know is it is available on Spotify and a lot of people stream these days and and, and can gain access that particular way, and it all counts and all adds up to you know you know revenue and and acknowledgement for the artist's uh, work. Be yeah, um, it'd be great if that came out again on CD. Yeah. But it was not on my radar and until we started the podcast, yeah. and I was like, wow, this is gold. And a lot of people said, you know, opening this um, CD and listening to Michael pour his heart out, it makes you understand what he really was going yeah. through at that time back in nineteen ninety. Seven, uh, well, all the way from ninety four to ninety seven. Really, it's a long time, actually. What he was he was battling with. Well, the other thing, you know, kudos to you. You know, you did a great interview with Dennis Aber for episode one thirty three and one thirty four, and uh, I think pretty much for the one thirty three episode, you had Nick as your co host. So I actually hadn't heard that episode before. So I found myself uh, going back listening to that. I sent a personal message to Nick. I probably should have, you know, listened to him more in the time and and whatever. But you know, his top ten and the way he explained Michael and his favourite In Excess songs and, and went through them all, was brilliant. And just the anecdotes and some of the information there around that, uh, that you know probably took up half that first episode. And then uh, you had then Danny Saber come on and Nick sort of co-hosted the year with that. And we think those two episodes particularly are really good companion pieces to the latest two episodes we've just done on the album and, and this one as well. So you know, if you do like this latest content and you do want to get a, a producer slash writer instrumental expert in Danny Saber to talk uh, and to inform you, 
we say go back to episode 133 and 134, you won't be uh, disappointed. And I urge people to look up um, Danny Saber and Nick Egan onto mainly Facebook. And uh, there's lots of insights that they're always posting onto their platforms. Nick's just done his covers, hasn't he? And he talked a little bit about um, X and Kick and Live Baby yes. Live. Yeah. Correct, correct. And also just a quick little one too, uh, a little Easter egg nugget day. I didn't realise, and obviously only having listened, is that Nick went back and helped record a ex-Neighbours actor, Danny someone else, uh, who did Possibilities, did a cover version. We did we talk about that. <laughs> Do you remember that on the episode? It was over a year ago. <laughs> it, it is. It is so. Uh, yeah. Look, it's, well, it's probably 40 episodes ago. Yes, yeah, so on episode 133, I think your exit song on that particular episode uh, was a cover version of Possibilities, which was... Uh, something uh, that sounded great. Again, another little nugget if you go back and listen. Yeah, it was a really fun episode with Nick. He's always um, good, good fun. <laughs> the other interesting thing that looks like, you know, coming about, and maybe this all relates to, to Danny in the interview too, is that, you know, if they're going to sort of put out more Michael material and some different things there, there was this sort of idea of having sort of the song like Possibilities uh, as a duet, wasn't there? Uh, I think a, a female singer coming on yeah. and putting that out. And mm. it does open up, you know, how they could repackage that. I'm doing a bit of walking in the moment, B, because my car's been out of action. So uh, when you do a bit of walking, you get thinking time and the serotonin or whatever or dopamine hits your head. And I was just sort of thinking to myself, you know, Michael, between the Max Q album and the Mike Hutchins album, and then when you add in his solo vocals for things like Rooms for the Memory on the Dogs in Space, then you add in, you know, the, the Rolling Stones stuff under my thumb, and then you add in uh, the Speed Kills and some stuff with Cold Chisel. He's probably got 40-plus songs that you could put a really, really cool double sort of, you know, encyclopedia version of everything to do with Michael and have a fantastic sort of repackage thing. So, And then you throw in six new songs and, that might be a really interesting way to go, Bill. Just um, you know, going forward that way. Oh, it'd be great fun, wouldn't it, to hear all those to put together, get some uh, really cool "Hello, Marco Pitts" um, production yeah. on it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but again, if I could have my tongue firmly planted in my cheek, that'd be a massive punch on. You can imagine that you'd have the Ollie Olsen camp, you'd have the uh, the Danny Saber camp, you'd have the NXS camp. Who owns what? Who's going to put this in? And, and you know, it could be a, ro a royal rumble. We can always dream. But never say never and just keep your ears open. You just never know what will be happening. Correct. Now, we've got to do something a little bit special today and a little unique. Great friend of the, of the podcast. I believe he's a massive fan of our show, Andrew Lambie, who I think did he contribute some stuff to the book? Did uh, the author go up and spend some time with Andrew? Yeah, he's, Is that he's, right from he's on a little island off, off Scotland. Bless him. Yeah. And yeah. I think, um, oh, what was his name? Neil Cossa. Um, he yeah. got in touch with Neil, and Neil and his wife went over on a boat. <laughs> yes. Over and uh, scanned a load of things in for the book. Yeah. So, so thank you again, Andrew, for that. So, was this was it the Mull of Kintyre? Is that right? No. No? <laughs> it's not the Mull of Kintyre, but it's something like that. It's the Mull of something, the isn't Mull it? Mull of something. Well, you know, I was trying to get another Paul McCartney reference in anyway, yeah, but, uh, but just for everyone's benefit, what, what Andrew sent us, being in the UK, he sent us a, a cool little file of a bunch of interviews that via Virgin uh, Music or V2, which is the label, that put out Michael's solo album. A little bit of a promo thing that was going around the time in 1999. You know, thank you to, to Andrew through Bees. So let's put that into a little bit of a, an edited document today. And you're going to get a chance to hear a bit of a, a sort of what I would say a mosaic of interview snippets, uh, whether it's Michael talking, 
whether it's Andy Gill talking, whether it's actually Cal Hutchins talking, which is fantastic, and a young Danny Sabre talking, 29-year-old Danny Sabre, I believe, and interspersed with some of the song and the materials, uh, song material obviously off the album. I think there's even a couple of B-sides of the Straight Line single uh, as well, like Standing on the Rooftop, and it's a really nice mosaic of things uh, just as a virgin promoter most of the time and we just thought well in light of Michael's birthday it'd be a lovely thing to sort of centre around um, you know that occasion Yes these would have gone out to radio stations or would they have just gone on to Virgin Radio you reckon? Look look, it's it's a combination of things I, I don't you know we could find out from Andrew uh, maybe it's an assortment he's put together maybe it's just a set of a Virgin promotion going out um, but what's what's great about it is um, you know what I love about it is particularly the stuff that Kel has to say I think Cal was very appreciative. Uh, I think Virgin uh, also were very good. They actually visited Cal and played, I think, uh, you know, straight line to him and he was able to hear it. And he was just very grateful to hear Michael's songs being, uh, you know, uh, released. Right, and okay, now, shush, shush, let's just listen. That's a great idea. Let, let breathe, Hayden, breathe, okay? <laughs> Don't give we'll it, it all away. It. Yeah, we'll let it speak for itself. We'll let it speak for itself. But, look, thank you, Andrew. Listen, have a great listen to this uh, what we'd also ask you to do uh, also before uh, the episode's up, there will be a link underneath the, the various informations where you can also open up a second interview, and that is a Rolling Stone sort of a, a revisit where some of you may not know this, but uh, I think there's an article that's about 40 years old, and we have a current-day journo who's reading this uh, Toby Creswell piece, which is an interview with NXS. I think they're in Albury, Wodonga in 1983, about to conquer the world. And she reads this article out and then interviews Toby Creswell, who was the Australian editor of Rolling Stone at the time, who coincidentally wrote Shine Like It Does, uh, the book, also has equally uh, got credits, you know, lots of in excess uh, articles over the time. But we ask you to also go down and up that little link. It's a separate little link. Uh, it will give you a whole, another set of audio to listen to. Uh, and again, acknowledge Michael's birthday and, and the band's early days as well. So, B, I'll pass it over to you to press play. I swing between being extremely positive and confident to being absolutely in despair about things, but <laughs> to be honest. And it's funny because when success sort of comes, you go, yep, okay, it just was there, you know. It didn't, it didn't just happen in one single ten years ago. I don't write that much. I really edit out a lot and I'm not that happy with too much. I have a, you know, sort of scrappy little book of lyrics sort of floating around. It's very amateur. I really like to try to use the voice as an in instrument more, you know, and just create sounds rather than just singing a word. I think, you know, the, the hardest thing, and because I'm basically not, not a natural kind of performer as far as, you know, I don't live and breathe to, to go out on a stage. It's sort of something that transforms in me when I walk out there. It's an audience that do it for me, I think. So I have to muster a lot of ego, to, to be honest. So I sort of, you know, I, I really enjoy that you know, audience and a really, you know, a good night's like nothing, there's no, nothing else like it. People see you as a personality and they, they find it hard to see you on a screen being somebody else and it's difficult for them to let go of what they think you are you know that's one of the problems that's against you something i've been trying to do for about 10 12 years now is to, is to do an album where there is basically a common thread running through every single song and 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 they're they're very closely linked and it's exploring all those different styles of music within each song
I think Max Q really taught me that. Ollie really taught me that because he he is a um, <clears throat> expert on using the voice as a <laughs> strange instrument. So um, he taught he, he he taught me a lot about that. I mean, it's basically through playing me a lot of music I never heard in my life before. You know, I had a real musical education that really taught me a lot. Singing with backwards and things like that, all kinds of strange things, screaming backwards and um, very backwards. You, you suck air in instead of out. It's an odd thing to do. Can you do it now? And the funny thing with Straight Line is, is like that song, when I was working on it here after, you know, getting away from it for a couple of years, because we were always like, I mean, I was always beating my head against the wall with that song because I always thought it was a really cool song, but on the initial thing, we never could really get it right, especially the chorus and stuff. And it was all the shit piled up on it on the, on the demo. There's all these loops and this. And when I got it in the studio, I started stripping it down and I realized we had this great drum take and the bass, and it was like this old Motown thing. and. I just, it made me realize why I think what Michael was looking for when he called me, because ultimately that song kind of came out, sounded like kind of real black grapeish and old school funk or like Motown type thing. And I, and I know it, it just hit me like, oh shit, now I get it. It took me like three years to get it, but at least I finally got it. from V2 came around to our apartment and very kindly played um, a straight line and uh, oh, it was wonderful to hear that because it's really the first finished track I'd heard and uh, well it was a very emotional time for me and I, I but I felt it was just so good and we've been they kindly left me a copy and I've been playing it I think all the neighbours around near me know about it by now I think he uh enjoyed the fact that he was appreciated uh, around the world as, as this great pop performer, if you like. Uh, I think he he knew there was more to him than that, than being a kind of uh, a sex symbol that sang really well. There was more to it than that, and I think he wanted to, to get that across. I think that was his motivation. Well, I think ultimately there wasn't really a conscious effort to not sound like in excess because I mean ultimately you know he to me was in excess but I think what we wanted to do what I wanted to do at least was I wanted to like give him a platform to go do things he couldn't do in in excess 
because of the limitations of who they were and who the people in the band were. And that always happens with big bands. When you get big and you have a lot of success, it's, takes a lot, it, it takes a lot to try and reinvent yourself. And, and I mean, I think that's part of the reason why they kind of hit a plateau and that was it. And the good thing about this record is I think it really showcases what Michael was capable of as a singer and a musician. very uh, kind of like like Michael at, at that time because there's a very sweet uh, tender verse and it's uh, in this very it's almost kind of sunny uh, uh, quite kind of sweet touching verse and then it swings into a rather dark you know a very kind of dark paranoid bridge uh, which is kind of what's brilliant about it you know this complete transformation of the song between the verse and the bridge each time um, the, the verses are, the, are this kind of tender love song and then the, the bridge goes into into a paranoid world you have to remember that at, at this point in, in uh, his life and he and he and Paula had been sort of hounded by particularly the the UK press and I think it's quite a few of the songs uh, either directly or obliquely kind of mention those those aspects you know, in one way or another There's never a point when you kind of sit down and write, this is the kind of record we're, we're trying to make. You, you define it as you go along. And God knows it, it, it changed enough during the making of it, you know, from, from the very first um, bits of recording and songwriting uh, through the early kind of pre-production, through recording it. Uh, it, uh, it, it developed quite a lot, but I think he wanted something that was guitar orientated, that was funky, definitely. I think those are the main things that he, that he wanted it to be. But also to have um, an ambitious, artistic element to it. You know, in other words, it wasn't going to be just the ooh baby baby thing. It's going to be a bit more ambitious than that, uh, a lot more ambitious than that, which I, I, think it, I don't think it was successful in that regard. And ultimately, Michael was Michael, and he had such a strong personality, of, and, you know, he knew who he was in that sense. You know, and, and, and he, 
you know, it just came, it comes through. I mean, you don't, it's just a subconscious thing. You don't have to sit down and think, okay, we're going to do a song like this, and we're going to do a song like this. You know, they just, it just evolves and happens. And on anything good, that's what happens. Anytime somebody tries to sit down and work it out before they do it, it's always going to be shit. I mean, I've seen it a million times. You can't, music, that's not what music's about. The, the lyrics kind of say it all with that song, really. Um, it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is quite chilling. It is, it is quite, um, it seems to be uh, spelling out the future, doesn't it, in a way? particularly the, the UK press, the, the, the tabloids had been chasing Michael and Paula, you know, because she'd left Bob Geldof and taken up with Michael Hutchins. And uh, so it was, it was kind of constant fodder for the, for the tabloids. And uh, they were kind of hounding him wherever he went. Uh, and I think that, uh, 
that definitely fueled the, uh, the the paranoia and the general feeling that he was uh, being trapped and uh, and not knowing how to how to get out of it. And I think quite a few of the songs, uh, either directly or obliquely, kind of. Um, mention those those aspects, you know, one way or another. A lot of his talent was just emerging, really. He had so much more to give, because in my conversations with him, I just know how much this album meant to him. I think, you know, the, the hardest thing, and because I'm basically not, not a natural kind of performer as far as, you know, I don't live and breathe to, to go out on a stage. It's sort of something that transforms in me when I walk out there. It's an audience that do it for me, I think. So I have to muster a lot of eager, to, to be honest. Uh, the song's about Paula. Um, no surprise. And it, it's basically was... Uh, uh, Bono said, uh, we, we were in the south of France, and Bono was there, and, and he said, uh, that Paula, she flirts for England. And Michael, Michael was laughing about it and said, we should use that in the song. You know? And so pretty much the next day, we kicked off with She Flirts for England. I, I think he's um, one of the best voices and best performers in, in the last you know, 20 years or so, you know. I think he, he really stands out as, a, as a, just this fantastic voice and brilliant performer. I think that's the main thing. I was just talking about this last night. Of all the people that I've worked with, like, the one guy you'd want to be here would be him, because he was just so much fun to be around, and, and, he, and he ain't, you know? So sometimes it's it's not it's not like creepy or spooky or anything, but I mean, it's just like sometimes it, you just th stop for a second and you think, I wish he was here. He was such a great guy and a great musician, a terrific talent. And I think a lot of his talent was just emerging, really. You know, there was so much, he had so much more to give because in my conversations with him, I just know how much this album meant to him to get it out and all the frustrations he had been going through and bringing it all together. And, uh, you know, I was, wor he was working with Andy Gill and. Danny Saber and many others to to get the right result that he wanted, and uh, I think he's he's done it. Just this fantastic voice and brilliant performer. There were a couple of verses and this great chorus and 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 the groove, and it was definitely not finished. Uh, so it, it occurred to me to to speak to Bono and see if he wanted to sing something on it and he said well let me hear what what you got so we you know this tape cds went went over to dublin and uh and he said sure i'd you know, love to so he, he came over here and we uh wrote more lyrics and and he, he sang on it so like the, the first verse is is michael singing then there's michael singing a chorus and then there's a long session with bono singing and then it's michael's choruses again but it, it, it is, you know, obviously strangely prescient that he's singing, I just want to slide away and come alive again. And, um, 
and Bono's just basically is really singing um, goodbye, you know. It's a very moving track. success sort of comes and go, yep, okay, it just was there, you know, it didn't just happen in one single ten years ago. I don't write that much, I really edit out a lot and I'm not that happy with too much. I have a, you know, sort of scrappy little book of lyrics floating around, it's very amateur, it's sort of something that transforms in me when I walk out there, it's an audience that do it for me, I think. So I sort of, you know, I, I really enjoy that, that audience and I really, you know, a good night's like nothing, there's not, nothing else like it. Something I've been trying to do for about 10, 12 years now is to, is to do an album where there is basically a common thread running through every single song and, and, and they're, they're very closely linked and it's exploring all those different styles of music within each song. All right, Dave, that was pretty cool, wasn't it? That was lovely to him. Um, Cal, I mean, and poor Cal's passed away as well. So he's he's very charismatic himself, isn't he? He's such he a charmer. Yes. You just love to have like had a moment with him and and listen to him talk about the stories of him and Michael growing up. But he sounded very proud of this album. Very proud. I think Cal would have cut a sway through the uh, Hong Kong and the. Uh uh, the 1950s, 60s circuit around the world. I think Cal did well for himself, Pete. He did, he did. And then a young Danny Sabre. At first, I wasn't too sure yes. if it was him. I had to ask yes. you, is this that? And yes. Is, is that him? Um, but, Correct. But, but again, you know, him and and Andy Gill, what an amazing piece of um, material that they've put out there. What an amazing album. It's just so timeless to me. And I, I want to well, thank yeah. both of them. I mean, I know we've, we've lost oh. Andy now as well, haven't we? Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that just struck me, the, the two words, artistic and ambitious. Mm. And and I think, you know, for Michael, unfortunately, when you are a good-looking rooster, a lot of the narrative around your creative achievements is never geared around, you know, what it is you say and what you produce. I've used this analogy a number of times. It took Brad Pitt till 60 years of age or 58 years of age to win an Academy Award and be ranked about his acting and his acting skills, because everyone gets so caught up in the blue eyes and the blonde hair. Michael also suffered from that being such a visual, you know, attractive guy, charismatic, that there wasn't always enough time in an article to fit in the depth and the lyrical prowess that he had. And I think Andy got to see Mike and was very proud. And Michael was very proud to do this album financing because it was artistic, it was ambitious, and it took leaps of, um, you know, changes to, you know, say, I want to be more than just the front man. I would like to explore my musicality in a different way. Mm, mm, mm. He should be proud, Michael. Um, and it's great yeah. that we can still play it and um, share it amongst all the NXS fans and Michael Hutchins fans. Yeah. Now, B, we, uh, we thought we'd just uh, let you do some uh, fan engagement to a lot of the people have corresponded over the last couple of weeks. We've had the massive, you know, influx on Facebook. I think today, as we speak, we've just hit over 150,000 downloads since we started. 
well done to you. And we've just had some really great feedback from people writing personal emails to us how much they're enjoying the show. And I've done my best to reply to as many as I can. I know you do too. We've got some new patrons jumping on board uh, again, which is which is brilliant. We, we, we really appreciate that and we'd love more of you to, to do so. Over to you. Just share some of those people who've gone out of their way to uh, communicate with us uh, about the podcast. Hi, you're listening to the number one in Nexus podcast. And now it's time for fan engagement. Well, hot of the press, I've been talking to JD. I think you probably have heard me speak about JD a long, long time ago, a couple of years ago when we first started. JD was one of the backing singers for Elegantly Wasted. And she's agreed to come onto the show. So we'll be doing a uh, interview very shortly and I'll be uh, releasing that with you and um, hearing some, uh, yeah, behind the scenes with um, JD. That will be awesome to hear about the music and how they, uh, they rehearsed and all sorts of things like that. I also want to say hello to Mark. Mark came to me um, via the inbox on Facebook. Great place to uh, send me a message. He was a friend of Joe Robbins back in the day at school, but he let me know about the um, new um, series which is called Boy Swallows Universe um, I've been watching it actually it's very very good I love it love it love it there was a big post gone out and it's gone viral guys so jump on that that's on Facebook and on Instagram and you'll enjoy reading that one and all the comments that are coming through from that and the love for In Excess and the 80s um, it's a pretty cool show actually let me find this message from Bruce it's um, we had a bit of backwards and forwards but this is really good told me that I had I'd mentioned that I'd got a name wrong so I do apologize um, and that I um, said that Kirk's ex-wife was named Demi it's Denny I'm so sorry Denny and he also said that he met her I was working as a bellboy in a hotel in 93 she checked in with Natalie Umbruglia another name I can't say this was before Natalie was a famous singer she was a famous actress at the time playing her role of Beth so I helped them with the luggage and we got talking in the elevator next thing you know the three of us were on a road trip from new york city to philly to see in excess it was crazy i was to call in sick to work and then show up there with the rental car to pick up the girls good times oh that's awesome bruce and if you do have any other stories let us know and um, join us all on our socials on our facebook instagram tiktok and x and yeah it's great to hear from you Keep them coming. Hey, this is Paul Jolly from Sydney, and this is The Big Rat. All right, B, well, uh, a couple of things coming up on top of which our recent audience will love is that you and I, we actually put a little interview in the can the other day, didn't we? We can share people that this will be our next episode coming out. We got a chance to interview the, the fantastic Alex Price the other day of uh, Kiss the Dirt fame. Don't dream it's overcrowded house, fame, and I robot fame with Will Smith, and he came on and had a great chat with us. So looking forward to seeing how that cuts up, and we share that to our audience next week. Please. Yes, I got a little bit of starstruck when he was saying, "Yeah, I'm best <laughs> mates or I'm mates with Nicholas Cage and Will Will Smith." I'm like, oh. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. It was, a, yeah. it was a great interview. It's very passionate, so watch out, everybody. And if you're it a is. music buff, you're gonna really love it. So that'll be and next week. We're gonna do that one. 
Well, yeah. If you're a music, if you're also a movie nerd as well, we 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 tackle you know what's wrong with mainstream movies <laughs> these days, and we, yeah. uh, and and uh, let's just be let's just be frank. I don't think uh, Alex leaves anything in the no, uh, in the okay. tank in sharing his thoughts, which I 100 percent agree on too. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that that's something to look forward to coming up. We're going to go out today, Ben, with an interesting tribute song today because it's actually not a tribute song; it's actually a more of a tribute interview as well. Some of you do know through the socials that uh, Rolling Stone just before Christmas released. A 40th anniversary of an interview that Michael, I think, did in Albury, Wodonga with Toby Creswell, the former editor of Rolling Stone. We in 10, and Toby has said he'd come on our show uh, in the next few months, but this particular little audio grab, we thought we would just share with you. If you go down the link on this podcast, you'll see a link underneath where you can just press it, and you can actually hear an interview that's narrated uh, in 2023 by a female journalist whose name at the moment escapes me, but she reads out the, the Toby interview. Uh, and then I think Toby comes in to talk about the interview with NXS and the band. And he, uh, as we said earlier, had a, has had a great involvement with the band over their, their journey and, you know, wrote Shine Like It Does, uh, which is a story particularly about Michael. So we're going to go with a bit of a tribute interview. It's like a, a, a one on top of the other, B. So just go down to the little link on this podcast. You can uh, listen to it at your own leisure. That's a goodbye from me. And don't forget to check out the website for the competition. And it's a goodbye from B. Goodbye, everybody. This is the Dutchie, and you've been listening to In Excess, Access All Areas with Hayden and Bee.